It is your Wednesday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are as well. Good show coming up today. Randy Johnson covers college football, Gophers football for the Star Tribune. Will join me here in just a little while to talk about Gopher football. You know, season still a little ways away, but media day for the Gophers. Uh, they have their own media day today, and then Big Ten media day is a couple weeks from now. And of course, big news this week with Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern getting fired as part of uh, the hazing scandal uh, with the Wildcats football program. So Randy and I will talk about the Gophers. We'll talk about the Wildcats and Northwestern. And I maybe get into a little recruiting talk as well because that is that never takes a break. That is 24-7, 365. That is always on. And um, Randy will kind of catch you up on what's been happening with them and where their, where their class of 2024 stands. Um, Got to talk uh, a little NBA at the end of the show, some rule changes that were approved that I think are pretty interesting. First, though, what did I miss? You know, we're gonna, we've spent a lot of time on the Twins the last couple shows, maybe even the last few shows if you go back to last week. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fair amount of baseball talk today, but of a different kind. Just some interesting readings, some interesting topics right now bubbling up because of the All Star break, the All Star game. Um, let's start with some Twin subjects. Two interesting stories from uh, Star Tribune writer Bobby Nightingale Jr. You can find both of those, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. I want to start with the first one, just a really nice piece on Pablo Lopez, Twins pitcher, who pitched a scoreless ninth inning in uh, Tuesday's All-Star game. I'm not going to spend much time on the game itself because that that game itself is, while interesting, while still the best of the All-Star games, it doesn't resonate with me maybe like it did when I was younger, but Pablo Lopez did pitch... A scoreless ninth inning. The American League loses three to two. National League snapping a long All-Star game losing streak, winning that game three to two. Um, but just an interesting story from from Bobby on uh, on Pablo Lopez and just the you know his his relationship with his father. His father died three years ago yesterday. So th- the three year anniversary of his father passing uh, due to a heart attack was on the day that he pitched in the All-Star game. Just a really nice. A uh, really nice story from from Bobby on on Pablo Lopez and you know this his backstory his you know growing up how his his parents were were both were, were both in medicine his dad is a doctor and his dad you know unfortunately uh, passing from a heart attack three years ago yesterday but you know uh, Pablo Lopez started first grade when he was five years old graduated from high school when he was sixteen in their native Venezuela. And just, you know, a really, really, sounds like a really, really, not just smart guy, but a really thoughtful guy who's really channeled some of that energy into baseball, you know, had to had to make a decision at a certain point of whether he wanted to go to medical school or whether he wanted to play professional baseball. So I would just suggest you go and read it. I, I didn't, I opened up my, I guess it was my browser this morning. I opened it up, not intending to necessarily read that piece, but I got, I got drawn into it. I read it, read it in full. And uh, I think you should too, because I think it was a really nice, a really nice piece from Bobby on, on that. Now, um, also there, it was interesting. Um, also at the at the All Star break, Commissioner Rob Manfred um, gave gave some thoughts, gave some talks. The game was in Seattle, and one of the things that came up was, of course, baseball's ongoing battle to uh, to have their games shown more widely. The Twins right in the middle of that with Bally Sports North. 
and uh, and Diamond Sports, the parent company. Rob Manfred gave some of the more extended comments on uh, on the on this subject than I've seen on the record, at least for a while. Um, so I'm reading again from Bobby's story. Manfred was asked if the league would join the bidding for different uh, for different broadcast rights when they came up, and he he said, "quote Bidding is a funny word." He said, "quote." We will be available for teams that are looking for an alternative to the arrangement they are coming out of, or if they find themselves in a situation where there is not a bidder. So, I mean, that, that, that you know, parsing that in plain English, basically got the latter where there's not a bidder, that's basically the Padres situation where they had to take over broadcast rights in the middle of the season when Diamond Sports renounced those rights. And by all accounts, that has been going pretty well. I'll get to that in a minute here. Um, but the other, obviously, is an alternative to the arrangement they are coming out of, and that speaks perhaps to the Twins. Their contract with Diamond Sports ends at the end of this season. Now, there was some question in the middle of this season when Diamond Sports skipped a payment when they went to bankruptcy court trying to get their money as to whether Diamond was going to pay in full and keep that contract going. They did, in fact, do that. Of course, we reported that a couple weeks ago, so... Now the question becomes, what happens at the end of this season when a 12-year agreement between Diamond Sports and the Twins um, ends? Now, that it sounds like Major League Baseball is saying, we'll be there for you, essentially. That sounds a little different than MLB is trying to gobble up as many rights as possible, so I don't know if that's changed or not, because I thought that was the narrative that was being put in place before, but that's what Rob Manfred is saying right now. And talking about San Diego, he's saying, and just what they would do in other markets if they took over broadcast rights, um, you know, basically they struck deals with a bunch of streaming and uh, digital and cable and satellite providers, and they're selling also a direct-to-consumer direct package of Padres games for $19.99 a month. And uh, Manfred gave some details saying that subscriptions to that are, quote, well into the five figures. But let's let's say... Let's let's parse the dollars and cents on that. Let's say for a full year that was twenty thousand. Now that that's that's pretty small, right? Because we're we're talking about something that happened, um, you know, six weeks ago. So I would imagine in another market there would be more subscribers than well into the five figures if they had a chance to roll this out, had a chance to kind of plan it, things like that. But let's just say pod the Padres have sold twenty thousand direct to consumer. Um, direct direct to consumer subscriptions at nineteen ninety nine a month, and let's say that's you know for that was going to be for the, the for the last basically three four months of the baseball season. I think it was four months. So let's say they're they're making eighty dollars um, off of twenty you know, twenty thousand people. That's that's not much money. I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's barely it's like a million and a half dollars. That is not enough to offset some of the differences that you're probably going to see between what the contracts are worth to show these games um, you know through the more traditional means and now so what baseball what you know what streaming companies um, you know or, or what uh, what what diamond sports needs to figure out with Bally sports if they're going to keep this is how to get that number up how to boost that number enough so it offsets the difference between what you're making from the bundle you know the traditional cable or satellite bundle and what you're making you know what you what you're losing from from shedding all those subscribers so that's still the financial piece that's not in that's not really clear but Manfred did say it's a pretty much stock formula for us what we've done in San Diego is whatever we can generate in terms of revenue in the traditional cable bundle and whatever we can sell in terms of in-market subscriptions that's the revenue that would be made available to the club we think we can provide a viable local media alternative to clubs so you know 
I just think it's interesting. Uh, he's saying our goal is from the beginning has been, has been to make a transition from the current situation into a new model that did two things. Number one, increase the availability of our games to fans. And number two, minimize any financial disruption for clubs. So whether they can do that is 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 a big question. It's kind of, kind of sort out how this looks in the future. Um, Bobby made a good point that I've made too, that any any renewing of a contract with Diamond Sports, with Valley Sports North for the Twins would almost certainly have to include streaming rights through the Bally, through the Bally Sports Plus app. So even if the Twins stayed on Bally Sports, I would have to imagine in 2024 that there would be a option to buy a standalone product, to buy just Twins games for a fixed cost, perhaps that $19.99 a month that they're talking about with with doing with the Padres because you cannot go back into the situation where it's not available to to fans who have cut the cord or who have decided who they don't want the full cable package the full satellite package that's just not how people are consuming not everybody but it's not how some people are consuming their sports and their media these days so still a lot to unpack from all this but some interesting comments from the commissioner and uh, I think you will find that interesting in addition to that Pablo Lopez story in Star Tribune and StarTribune.com today. One more item of interest before we get to Randy Johnson, by the way. Um, sounds like Major League Baseball players want to tweak the pitch clock before they get to the postseason. Rob Manfred saying, ah, we kind of like the way it's going right now. If they want to tweak it for the postseason players do, maybe, you know, add a, uh, maybe add a timeout here and there, add some time here and there. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this. AJ Pruszynski and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not necessarily opposed to, some modification for postseason games allowing and understanding that these games are magnified, that sometimes you need extra time to gather yourself, things like that. What I don't want is for this to just be to descend back into the the kind of baseball that we got used to watching the last several years where the game was just a slow slog um, you know, in the postseason and regular season both. So if they can figure out something very minor that would help the game... Um, Give it a little space, I guess, in the postseason. Not add, you know, a, a lot of time to games, but give it maybe a little bit of extra, you know, chance to breathe, as we like to say. Maybe there could be something there, but if they can't come to some sort of compromise or figure out what that thing is, I would rather them just keep this in place, keep doing what they're doing. If they have to go back in 2024 and say, you know what, hey, the postseason, we do need to do something different, then maybe you try that, but. I don't know. That that's interesting to me that players are already lobbying or, or asking for for something different for the postseason. We'll see if that comes to fruition, and that piece is interesting to me as well. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over thirty locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to mgmwineandspirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over fifty years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. I want to bring on college football, Gophers football reporter Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune right now. Randy is graciously taking a little time off from well-earned vacation to uh, to to join me here today. Um Randy the one of the big stories in college sports right now even sports in general um maybe gaining even more legs in a, in a week where there's not as much going on with baseball on the All-Star break, there's no NFL really news going on right now. I think it's going to be big news regardless though. Um Pat Fitzgerald, longtime Northwestern football coach, um fired 
uh, yesterday as part of his allegations into hazing within the program, you know, whether how much he knew or should have known. Um, as you've, you know, maybe followed this a little bit from a distance, like I said, because you've been off a little bit. But what uh, what do you make of this and kind of how this, you know, impacts the landscape of the Big Ten? Yeah, it sure, it sure came as a surprise. Uh, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, very uh, well-regarded coach in the Big Ten. Um, you know, great player, Hall of Fame player, uh, the linebacker for, for Northwestern. And then he takes over the head coaching job when, uh, Randy Walker died of a heart attack uh, 17 years ago. So, you know, he was did a, uh, an outstanding job there on the field, uh, getting Northwestern into two Big Ten title games in uh, 2018 and 2020. They'd fallen off last couple of years, a couple of tough years. Um, but, yeah, it's surprising that this, would, this happened to him. Maybe not as surprising that there's something like this going on in college football. It, it, you know, there's, there's always – it seems like things – bubble up at different programs over the time. But I just, you know, from my first thoughts, it was kind of like uh, that uh, scene from the movie, The Fugitive, when Tommy Lee Jones gets to the train uh, the train wreck site, and it's my, 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 what a mess. Yeah. I mean, you re- is read, you know, read the allegations or read what, you know, has seemingly been cor- corroborated by multiple players and just kind of what was going on there. Um, it, it definitely, it's, it's, it's always interesting in these types of stories to kind of sort out what the coach knew, what was implied that he should have, he or she, and, you know, in this case, he should have known, um, you know, it, that's probably the hardest thing sometimes I think to, to kind of sort out is kind of this institutional control idea of how much should a coach know about everything going on in the program? How much does a coach intentionally or willfully not know and how much you know how much of that blame should go on you know the top of the line when you know we don't we, we i guess we don't know exactly what he knew in this case but that, that piece of it is always interesting to me like what should where should the blame lie in cases like this yeah it, it's tough uh you know they have to coaches have to have their ear to the ground all the time it's and you know i, I think they have to uh trust their their assistant coaches and trust the leadership uh group on with of the with the players to you know let them know what's going on now and then this sure sounds like this is something that's been going on for a while um you know usually those type of you know, hazing traditions are, are passed down over over years and and it it's uh yeah it's one of those things where sometimes you gotta take a step back and let's look at what are we doing here what why are we doing this it's it just, yeah well, I mean, it comes at an interesting time in, in Northwestern's football evolution. Like you said, they've been to a couple title games, you know, fairly re- big 10 title games fairly recently, but they, you know, the last two years, they've been really bad. And you do wonder, you know, the cynical part of you wonders if some of the on-field performance makes this decision a little bit easier. Although I think this is probably a decision that, that stands on its own, but they're trying to get all sorts of like new facilities built. You were telling me before we started recording, like they're trying to build something with the football team or a refurbishing of some football facilities that's going to cost like close to a billion dollars. Like I could not believe that number. Yeah. 800 million uh, for uh, a replacement uh, of, for Ryan field there on, on campus. Uh, and that's, that might be on hold there. There today came out uh, ESPN reporting that six faculty members are, they want the report released. Northwestern's a private school and they haven't released the full report on, on this. Um, and they're, thought is that um okay let's put this uh, stadium thing on hold until we clear all this up you know we'll see what happens there 
but yeah, it, it's it's um, it, it's a situation where it, the coach, you know, even if he say say he didn't know, um, he still has to know. Yeah, yeah so responsible. E.J. Fleck strikes me as a coach who wants to and knows pretty much everything that's going on with his program. Is that a fair assessment of the Gophers coach? I would think so. You know, I mean, he's he's always you know stre- he's always stressed the, the culture of the team. You know, since he first uh, got here. Now it's um, you don't know everything that goes on with the team, so it, it's it's you know we get we get we get a slice of it. We don't get the full picture, right? So you, you can never say never, I guess. On that you know everything that's going on yep no that that makes sense that makes sense i'm sure this is going to be percolating it's going to be the big talker i think big 10 media day is just a couple of weeks away now maybe we can transition to the conference at large as we kind of think about it and maybe a little bit of gophers recruiting here before we go but you know i mean it's it's a ways off we're still you know the you know camp is is not imminent but you know with media day just a couple weeks away Gophers are doing a thing this week where you know they're they're making some players available. Like we're starting to think about these things again. Um, as we think about the conference, think about storylines. I imagine this is going to dominate a lot of the discussion in, in in late July, even though it'll be you know a couple weeks after the fact by that point. Oh yes, yes, definitely. I mean that that's uh, you know every coach will get asked about about it uh, during those two, two days in India on the twenty sixth and twenty seventh. Yeah, it's it seems like every year there's something that's going on. Uh, in the summer, you know, last year was the USC UCLA edition to the right. uh, a couple of years back. It was uh, uh, Urban Meyer and uh, and the whole handling of the uh, uh, wide receiver coach situation. Um, you know, so there, there's always it always seems like there's some big sto- national storyline that that breaks out before our Big Ten media days. What do you imagine the Gophers' storylines will be from a national perspective this season? Is it Kind of a program still trying to like break into that next tier. Is it you know, what's what's the what's the what do you think is the national lens on the team you cover? You know, I think I think it's you know a look at you know what can this team do now that they're transitioning from a Tanner Morgan, you know, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, you know, has this program has that foundation moved it up? It, you know, they've they've got uh, in the last three full seasons. An eleven win season and uh, eleven one year and two nine win campaigns. Now they haven't been able to break free and get to that Big Ten title game. Um, you know that would that's something obviously they're aiming for. Uh, that's something that's kind of a uh, that'd be a prove it step. And I think that's nationally what people are looking for. It's yeah, we'll, we'll know a lot more about this program and, and you know how how much it has grown um, if they can you know with with a tougher schedule this year than last, especially. You know, if if they can produce that type of record, uh, we'll know that okay, it, it has grown to a point where it, it is a it is a contender annually. Now, how much? Do, I mean, how much does that schedule impact them? Because not just this year, but going forward with the addition of UCLA and USC in a couple of years, with you know, kind of eliminating some of these you know built-in edges that I think the West had for a while. How much? How do you think they compete now with with that? You know, kind of going forward. Well, you know, if they want to win the big. Uh, get in the Big Ten title game and get, uh, with a chance to win it, they're they're going to have to take take a step up because you're probably looking at uh, you you'll to to make that that title game you'll probably have to have one loss or two at the very most. Um, you know, in the West, you've been able to teams have been able to get get away with it with three losses even, and, and you know, so it's um, 
the margin of error will be less. And, and with, you know, we won't, you won't be playing against only a West um, schedule. Now they're getting rid of the divisions after this year. So it's, um, you know, you'll, you'll get more of more often you get might, might get in a Michigan and an Ohio state in the same year as, as they are this year. Yeah. And the non-conference slate is pretty decent this year. They go to North Carolina, uh, close circuit to you and everybody listening. I'm actually going to that game. I have a good friend who lives in North Carolina. We've booked our book, my flight. I'm going to go out there and, and check that one out just as a, as a, as an, for personal attendance, but that, that, that should be fun. I mean, this is, it's a pretty good schedule. If you are a fan of go for football. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that, that's a nice, nice, uh, destination i think it'll it'll have have good turnout um it'll i think it'll be probably similar to colorado a couple years ago where there was a very good turnout for for gophers fans a couple things for you randy before i let you go um one of them recruiting it never stops and they you know they've, they've had some some pretty good gains this spring and summer where are they right now with you know class of you know the next class 24 and beyond I think they're pretty much set. You know, I, I, I think they would take, you know, they might take another player may if, if something comes up, but, uh, but it, it seems to me like they're pretty much set. Um, you know, they, they did get seven of the top nine in the state. Um, the couple got away. Uh, um, uh, the Rod, the Rogers or the Rogers defensive end, Wyatt Gilmore, and then, uh, who's going to Oklahoma and the, um, Irondale offensive lineman, uh, Emerson Mandel, who's going to Wisconsin, but right. overall, a very good recruiting year in Minnesota for the Gophers. Yeah, it was. I agree with that. Well, that's laying the foundation. I mean, there's kind of recruiting. We pay so much attention. It's like the, uh, it's like drafts in some leagues where you 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 hear the names and you you rank everybody, and then it's three or four years until we really know how much these classes have an impact. But you you got to keep you got to keep recruiting well to have these chances. I'm, this is going to be an interesting year, I think, for them, the Gophers in general. Just like you said, transitioning from some offensive known commodities that have been here for a long time. Like, didn't you, didn't you say on one podcast that like PJ Fleck hasn't, hasn't coached a year that Tanner Morgan wasn't here. Yeah, correct. Yep. That's, that's exactly. That's and amazing. Then, so we'll, we'll see. Like, uh, coming off injury, Chris Ottman bell. This, this will be his seventh year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like so many, so many people still around, still here, but kind of transitioning to that next wave. How does this team um, how does this team fare? Where where do they stand? How much has PJ Fleck built this program up uh, to the point where they can be competitive? Well, a lot of those questions still to be answered. I'm sure you will um, start to sort a lot of that out in August and especially in September and beyond. Randy, go back to vacation. Appreciate your time. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. I always enjoy catching up with Randy. I felt bad about calling him off of vacation for a little while, but he didn't seem to mind. He said he would would keep his mind sharp, keep him back in football mode for a little while. I don't think Randy ever fully leaves football mode anyway, so appreciate his time. And just taking a sneak peek at some power rankings in the Big Ten. I see the Gophers kind of in in the upper half in a lot of them, like a USA Today, ESPN, Football Power Index. Looks like they're around sixth in a lot of these out of the 14 current teams in the Big Ten. So, you know, maybe we can set some expectations for this team that they are going to be competitive and that maybe they can continue this kind of progress and momentum they've started over the last few years under P.J. Fleck. But a lot of it, like Randy and I talked about, how do they transition on offense from a lot of these known commodities to now new quarterback, new running back, you know, figuring out wide receiver, things like that. A lot of those skill positions are going to be in flux. Can they kind of reinvent themselves with a new cast of characters in 2023. That is going to be an interesting storyline to follow throughout this season. Time!
time to check my social media, y'all. To see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. Okay, that sound means it's time to run a few of your questions. I got a bunch of them to get through. Let's let's do three of them today, and I think they're actually funny. Funny enough, I think they're all. Um, I think they're all baseball questions. He's been stacking up for a while. Um, listener Chuck wants to know. Um, you stated Matt Walner went to Mississippi State to play baseball. This was a while ago on a show I did. He said, my question is, what is the, what is the equivalent of college baseball to playing in the minors? Let's use a team like Mississippi State or Florida. Would it be Class A, Double A, Triple A? What are your thoughts? Thanks. That's an interesting question. I've never really tried to quantify that, and I don't know if you quite can because there are many different kind of levels of, of college baseball, different kind of flavors of program, but I would say... Maybe the elite of the elite college baseball, and he's talking about you know Mississippi State, Florida, some of the very best programs. I mean LSU, throw them in there. You know the teams that are competing for you know to be in the tournament, to be in the regionals, to be in the College World Series every year. I would say that level. I mean, some of these guys go pretty quick from college baseball to the majors. So I would say it's like at least high class A, if not double A. At a lot of these programs, I mean, not all these guys are going to be on double-A teams or get drafted right away, but, you know, a lot of these guys do advance pretty quick through the minors when they're drafted from college. So I'm going to say, like, the very the very top programs, if you're talking about that competition, might be the equivalent of double-A baseball. And that's just me kind of parsing out what I've seen over the years and things like that. I'm hardly a college baseball expert, but that's kind of where it seems to me based on where a lot of these draft picks come in, what the level is, um, you know, maybe high A, but maybe some of these double double A is probably the, the the top that I would say that we're that we're dealing with here. So hope hope Chuck that answers your question. Interesting question, something I'd never thought about. James wants to know. Um, this was a podcast from a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about Twins management and decisions on signing players to extended contracts. Um, since signing a five year contract after. The 2019 season, Max Kepler has been awful. Then they signed Correa and Pablo Lopez, and they've been awful. I would, I would argue Pablo Lopez has not been awful. He's actually been pretty good, but uh, that's you know he's an All Star this year. Some of his peripheral numbers are excellent. Um, more, more. He said there's more instances that might provide fodder for future podcasts. Um, he, he was criticizing a a decision they they made over the weekend too. Uh, this is a while ago where they had players unavailable. He's saying both these things led me to question the team front office and management. Also. Maybe time for the Twins' ownership to question it as well. Now, that's interesting because this email, this is this is from a while ago. This is from about a month ago when the Twins were, you know, struggling a little bit, but I think they were still in first place at that point. And now we are starting to see management maybe starting to question some of these things. We have referenced Jim Suhan's column from a few days ago a couple of different times where he talked to uh, talked to Joe Polad, the new Polad in charge. And Joe might not be as... Uh, might not be as patient as uh, as some of his predecessors uh, with the Twins and, and just kind of an interesting, you know, kind of saying, you know, if, if things don't improve, how long will you stick with this? And maybe he's not of the mind that you stick with this quite as long as some of the other people in charge have been. So that's interesting to me that this, you know, that maybe ownership is taking a look at some of these things and maybe is kind of wondering, hey, are these decisions that are being made, some of these things referenced by uh, by our listeners, if those are the things that they are going to look at as well. Okay, last one from Steve. <clears throat> said, I have a quick question, which I haven't heard anyone ask. Why didn't the Twins trade away Byron Buxton and keep Luis Arias? Arias is a hard worker, consistent, nothing against Buxton. 
but if he's not hurt, they're giving him the day off. <clears throat> Flashes of brilliance, but I'll take consistency. It's tough for me to understand. Maybe you can explain why. I'd say get rid of Buxton. He's dragging us down. Steve, I think the same things you see about Byron Buxton are maybe the same things other teams see. And a lot of these trades, especially with a team like the Marlins, which the team with the, which the Twins dealt with, come down to financials. Uh, Byron Buxton is making you know fifteen million dollars a year, something like that, on his on his most recent contract. I don't think the Marlins are interested in an injury-prone player on that kind of contract. Arise is making six million dollars this season, um, and he has two more seasons where he is arbitration eligible before he hits free agency in 2026. So finances are a consideration. The Twins were actively looking to trade Arise in their search for pitching, and I don't think they were actively looking to trade Buxton, who they consider more of a cornerstone player. But it's a fair question. Um, did they were they targeting the right player to trade? Because I think it does go back a little bit to philosophy on this team. Arise not really a power hitter, doesn't necessarily have a position. I think they're worried about his health long term. But the fact that they stress power over you know batting average so much these days, that to me is is does leave them vulnerable to maybe some miscalculations. So I think ultimately though they they were looking to trade Arise, they weren't looking to trade Buxton, and teams were looking to acquire a player like Arise because of his contract situation and frankly because he was the AL batting champion last year. That is a that is a commodity that brings value, whereas someone like Buxton is a little bit more speculative, probably has more value to the Twins than any other team. Let's finish with the cooler. Thanks, everybody, for the questions. By the way, submit them if you want to. Um, email me. Find me on Twitter. Find me on threads now. we gotta, we got to be on all the social media. I'm, in, I'm enjoying being on threads. I am at Randball on the, the new threads app. So if you want to find me there, submit a question there. Go for it. Um, but let's finish with the cooler here. Some interesting stuff. Some rule changes in the NBA that got approved earlier this week. Coaches will now have an additional challenge. I like this rule. They've they've only had one challenge uh, since since they instituted this new uh, system a while back. They will have two now, provided that the first challenge they make is successful. They will retain that challenge and have a second challenge. I think that's a great rule. Everybody's been pushing for this for a while. It was basically unanimously uh, approved by all these all these different groups and said that's great. The other rule is that if you flop, if you pretend like you you got knocked down, or if you pretend like you're trying to take a charge, something like that, you will be assessed a technical foul, and the other team will get a free throw next season. I like that too. Let's see how that goes. Let's see if this gets flopping out of the game a little bit more. If it costs you a point in game, maybe that will stop some of this nonsense where players look like they're shot out of a cannon when people barely touch them. Refs will be able to go back and take a look at it. I like it. I like these rules. Good job, NBA. Start trying to stay at the forefront of the game and make this better to watch for fans and make this easier for head coaches to navigate when calls don't go their way. That will do it for me today. Probably some more NBA talk on Thursday show. Planning to have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune on to give you the latest on NBA free agency, what the Timberwolves have been up to, what things are looking like from that standpoint. So stick around for that on Thursday. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. We'll talk to you then.